Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining our podcast, Succeeding in Small Town America, hosted by me, Timothy Peterkin. This is a platform in which we showcase and highlight and promote small business in where small town America. Today, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes about a topic that I think is really important that I've learned through doing. As you probably know, if you listen to some of my podcasts, most of my learning has been through trial and error and a lot of error, but that's okay because I also believe that my mistakes are for your benefit. So today I want to talk about a topic that I call over-communication. This is my new standard for how I conduct business. I have to share a few stories with you about things I've experienced as an entrepreneur in small town America that have led me to this appreciation. So I want to start with when I first started my law firm in small town America, um, it was a great experience, first of all, and I want to make sure you understand that even though I'm going to tell you a story that might cause you to um, pause and, and feel a little frustrated on my behalf, but understand that we count it all joy, all right? So years ago, we were working in our firm. We had really just started. Um, I had an associate attorney who was um, taking care of lots of traffic tickets. So... And these numbers are from years ago. So for those attorneys listening, understand that this is years ago. <laughs> and um, So let's say the cost for a traffic ticket, the attorney's fee was $125. And the standard practice back then was after the traffic ticket is over, you get about 30 days to pay your court costs. So we had a client who we were taking care of a traffic ticket the attorney went to court for her, got the appropriate resolution, came back to the office, called the client. Her phone was off. It wasn't working. So um, also part of our standard protocol is to send a letter. Letter was sent. It explained what happened in court. It explained the court cost. From our perspective, the case was now closed. We moved on. There's documentation of what happened. Everybody should be happy. So, and that's how it almost always worked, right? So one day I'm in the office by myself, actually, young lady comes in and she says, I received a letter that said that my license is suspended. Now she was a little perturbed, but she was still very pleasant. And so I said, well, let me see your letter. I looked at the letter and I said, no, um, because she originally had thought we hadn't gone to court for her. Like, you all were supposed to go to court. You didn't go to court. I said, well, no, we did go to court because if you don't get, if you don't go to court, there would be no court costs to pay. So actually this letter says that you never paid your court costs. So her response was, I paid you guys. I paid you. Okay. So I pull out my receipt book again, years ago, which is the old school receipt book. I pull out my receipt book and I say, ma'am, you paid the $125. And here you see how it's labeled as attorney's fees, right? Um, this is referencing court cost. Plus from the math of it, you may have caught that the attorney's fees would actually have been less than the court cost. So, of course, there's no way that we actually could have paid her court costs. We only received $125. The court cost was $175. Um, so I said, okay, this is what I can do for you. Um, you have to pay the court costs, and it won't suspend your license. Um, you can give me the $175, and I will take it to court with me tomorrow, and I'll pay it for you. 
also a back in the day point because of course today you can pay court costs online but back then you had to really it was the best practice was to go to the courthouse and just pay it okay So I'm thinking I'm providing excellent customer service. I'm not requiring her to go to the courthouse and wait in line. I'm going to do all that for her. So she gives me the $175. The next day, I take it with me to court. I stand in line. I pay her court costs. She has her license. And once again, I'm thinking this is great. So later that day, someone says, there's this this Facebook post is going around the community about your firm. And I'm initially thinking this is great. Like, well, this is wonderful. We just got here and people are already raving about us. Uh, no. She actually was a little more perturbed than I thought. And she had made a post telling everyone not to use our firm, that we were scammers, and that we made her pay us twice to take care of our traffic ticket. Unfortunately, her interpretation of what was happening was very different than my interpretation. She thought when she gave me the $175 for the court cost, somehow that was her paying us twice. And so she was upset about it. As I was reading the post and the comments, the comment that stuck out to me was, thank you for telling me that. I was just getting ready to call them. And I thought, wow, this is the last thing that we need as a new firm in a new community um, for people literally sending clients away from us. But I understood um, and had sympathy for her because she was frustrated. She didn't understand. Uh, I'm sure she didn't get the letter that we sent her or didn't at least didn't read it. Right. Um, and so from her perspective, all of this is new information and she's scared to lose her license. So I do have sympathy for her. And one of the things I like to say is I like to control what I can control. I can't control someone else's response. However, I can adjust my practices. So after thinking about this for a while, this became my new, this becomes my new best practice model that I'm sharing with you. We over communicate. You see, the letter that was sent to this young lady, that was just communication. That wasn't over-communication. So here's an example of how I would implement over-communication. So as I mentioned earlier, she would have had 30 days to pay her court cost. What would have hurt us to have plugged it into our um, calendar to call her on day 20 as a friendly reminder? send her an email as a friendly reminder, text message, whatever it was we were using that we had access to, to send her the friendly reminder. Now, what, does this always work? No, because of course you may also recall from my earlier point, her phone wasn't working at the time that we tried to call her the first time. So this doesn't fix all problems, but it does put us in a better position to catch people who are going to have a misunderstanding because even after I've explained to her that this is this is a different fee. And of course, we had tried to explain it the first time. There was still damage to our firm. There was still people who would have always said, we're not going to use that firm because my friend said it's a scam. And even after all was said and done, and she may have finally realized, oh, this was a different fee than the attorney's fee. She's not going to go back to her post and say, oh, you guys, I'm sorry. Turns out I was wrong. The Peter Cone Law Firm is great. 
she's not going to say that. So our reputation has been ruined and or at least damaged rather. And you have to appreciate that if you can do something to fix that, that's much cheaper than the alternative. So that's my first example of how I would encourage people to implement over communication, because especially in a small town, people don't know who to trust and they rely heavily on what others say. So her her platform was powerful to people who knew her. And again, nothing bad about her. Um, I think she's wonderful. I just uh don't think that we communicated um uh, in the over communication fashion and that possibly could have helped us so the other example is i have another company that services busy professionals okay and we have we've had this ongoing thing where people our customers were saying that they don't receive our emails and so one of the things i realized was that the name in our email is like the staff support name that we use. Um, but also when we send out marketing emails that has the same name. So I think it's very likely that a person would not know just by glancing, is this an email just for me or is this a marketing email? And so when we send our customer service emails, I think sometimes people think there might just be the marketing emails. So what do you do about that? Um, the first thing is, I think you use all the forms of communication available to you. Um, I think that it's important to make sure that you have communicated with actual communication, right? So in that realm, here's one of the things that I implemented recently, and I found it to be really great. Um, inside the email, we say, at the end of the email, we say, please confirm receipt of this email. And if the person doesn't confirm receipt, we call them. And I found, interestingly, I would say probably 20% of our attorneys, um, and these attorneys were serving, 20% of our attorneys on the phone would initially say, oh, I didn't see that email. Let me check, right? And that's the exact thing that I was trying to avoid, right? They didn't see the email. They're busy. They have lots of emails. And so they thought that they did not get a response, but the call prompted them to check and they found out that they did receive the email, which is great. Um, and so that's one strategy that we've implemented that has helped us with the people who think that they um, maybe have missed or overlooked because who hasn't overlooked an email? But again, we're in the business of serving our clients and customers, and we want to minimize that feeling that they're not getting a response. There was a time in which we had um, a program and we had adjusted the time, we reached out to the attendees to let them know of the time adjustment. Well, we called them, we left voicemails um, and then emailed them. And so there was an attorney who said, I didn't get notice of this time change. Well, um, we did call, we did leave a voicemail and we did email. Um, the thing is, the attorney just didn't utilize those methods of communication, which I totally understand. Like our job as the business owner is to figure out ways to serve the customer. Because the problem is this attorney will go to other colleagues and say, they didn't tell me of a time change. It messed up my schedule. This is terrible. 
And when the attorney finally checks their voicemail and sees that we actually did leave them a message, they're not inclined to go back to their friends and say, hey, guess what? I was wrong. How many times have you guys seen somebody rant about something, about some customer service thing on social media? Many, many times, right? But then how many times have you seen that same person come back and say, oh, actually, I was wrong? I've never seen it. And so the last way I like to handle that is to use all the forms of communication available. Sometimes when I'm talking to our team and they're saying they couldn't get in touch with someone and I ask a question like, OK, well, how did you contact them? Well, I called them and left the message. OK, uh, what else did you do? And if there's no answer, then I acknowledge, well, there were other ways you could have communicated. Uh, we have a business cell phone partly for the purpose of allowing us to send text um, from the phone. And so that's an example of another way to communicate. And of course, there are also these text to phone features on all of the um, phone companies. In other words, you could actually email and it comes through as a text message. Every phone company has a, a way of doing that. It'll be like their phone number at att.text.com, for example. That may not be right, but you get my point. There's that phone number and then the information, um, and you'll send it through an email, but it comes through a phone like a text. And so that's an example of how to communicate. I, I do often think about when our team members are only leaving voicemails and I gently say, mm, when's the last time you checked your voicemail, right? And so we're not using all of the forms of communication you have available. If the person gave you a cell phone number, then leaving a voicemail, uh, I'm going to say it's no longer enough. You actually have to engage in all the forms of communication because we're the company with that's seeking to protect its reputation. And so I would end by saying that the goal is to achieve the goal. And so the goal is not to say, well, I tried to communicate with them. The goal is to actually communicate with them. And if that requires what we're now labeling as over-communication, then that's okay. Because as we acknowledged, there will be times in which the person rants about your, your business, um, sort of attacks your brand, unfortunately. And then even when they find out that they were actually wrong, they're not going to go back and acknowledge it. We There's often this saying, well, not often, there's a saying about newspapers that the headline, that the, the spicy headline is always on the front page, but then the retraction, when the newspaper editor finds out that they were wrong, that never goes on the front page. And so I get that. And I think about that when I make a decision to over-communicate in business. All right. So that's our tip for the day. Thank you guys for listening to our podcast. Feel free to get more information about us and schedule bookings for coaching sessions at timothypeterkin.com. Thanks again. Have a great day.